Welcome back to Kingdom Family Talks. We are so glad you're joining us for these heart-to-heart conversations with Leif. If you have any questions or comments about any of the episodes so far, be sure to visit our website at globalmissionawareness.com. We are always looking for topics Leif can expound on, as well as ways to improve this podcast. With that being said, here is episode four, where Scott and Leif dive deeper into the idea of the family movement. They give the history, how we're seeing the impact and testimonies from around the world, and how you can be a part of it. Well, hello, everybody, uh, and uh, welcome back to uh, Kingdom Family Talks. It's, it's uh, so good to be with you. Uh, my name is Scott Wilson, and I'm part of the team here at Global Mission Awareness, and I'm joined by Leif Hetland this morning. And uh, hello, Leif. Good to be with you. Uh, it's good to be back again. <laughs> and uh, we we just thought uh, at the end of the year, as 2016 draws to a close, that it would be a good good opportunity to reflect on uh, the year that's been and uh, some of the things that have been burning on Leif's heart as we prepare for 2017. And uh, it's uh, a couple of hours and you'll be on a plane to Norway for Christmas with the family. It's exciting to be traveling with them and to be back in your homeland. And uh, we, we, one of the things we, we just wanted to do today was uh, last podcast, uh, last time we, 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 we took some time to reflect on uh, what it is to, to have kingdom family and to really reflect on the history of that uh, with, with Leif's journey and uh, some of the, the key markers this year that we've seen uh, with Pakistan, with Penang and even here in Atlanta. And uh, we talked about the journey of Kingdom Family and what that looks like with even starting way back with Papa Jack, I think 15 years ago, uh, that Kingdom would only be entrusted through family. And then we talked a little bit about uh, your journey in the Philippines with Paul and Almira Yadao and the ministry there of Destiny and, and them being a prototype of Kingdom Family and, and uh, then then the, the momentum that we've seen of, of a Kingdom Family movement this year. And so we thought it would be really wonderful uh, just as we've been reflecting over the last couple of weeks to really, uh, I suppose, just challenge life a little bit about, okay, well, what's next? What does that look like now that we're seeing this prototype of Kingdom Family develop? Uh, what's next? Um, what are we dreaming for? What do we, what do we have vision for? What, what are we looking to ignite amongst this Kingdom Family? And I think the key word today that we're going to focus on is movement, uh, that movement that we're starting to see uh, almost like little uh, little wildfires around the nation starting to just burn and uh, we're wanting to see just that uh, engulf nations um, and engulf the church in, at large. So, uh, yeah, so I suppose um, maybe a great place to start, Life is is just to maybe uh, hear your heart about what what is it this what this movement that 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 you're hungering for and 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 connected to kingdom family you know what is your heart about that well i think we have to go back uh, before we're going into the future it is not to rehearse so much of the history but for me uh, even going back to june 6 1995 which is 21 years ago when mm-hmm. randy clark laid hands on me mm-hmm. and the prophecy that was so clear for me to be a bulldozer and was preparing a way going into the darkest places where the gospel had never been before the darkest places in the world but then the second part that we do not often talk about was these thousands of people it was this big light following after to me, mm. which was the very movement. Wow. So to some degree, I've been a forerunner and made a way where there is no way. And I think that I've been, I've had a joy and there's also been the grace to be able to do that. But now what we have seen over the years is to be able to start to raise up, raise up a whole culture that is changing culture of culture mm. changers. So I think that so much of my first five years after that impartation until year 2000, it was just a movement. Right. And it was just the mission. It was to finish the unfinished task, meaning we were going to get the gospel, which was the good news, and we were going to get the gospel to every person. And we believed by year 2000 that when we had finished the unfinished task, everyone on the wall, every ethnical group in the world was going to hear the gospel. And mm-hmm. then we believed that, that the end was going to come. Mm-hmm. But we know year 2000 came along and 
there were still many unreached areas of the world. There was still darkness all over the world. And mm. September 11, 2001 came along. They just shifted things even on a global scale and on a global level. Mm. But also in the middle of it, I had a baptism of love in year 2000 that led up to where we are today. And that was what we talked about last time in the podcast. We now started to see the last 16 years. We've been a movement, but a focus was also instead of being a, a person after God's own heart, how do we raise up a people? How do we raise up a culture? How do we raise up a family? And uh, so that's kind of been the joy now of seeing the fruit of that in regard to even as I woke up this morning, I'm getting texts in from all over the world. Uh, I was just on the phone five, 10 minutes before this podcast with Benji and Daniela Morph, who is, uh, they're living in Chiang Mai, but they're leading a phenomenal, phenomenal movement of God's spirit just from that place. And mm-hmm. sitting there and just hearing the stories of what they are doing, the creative miracles that Benji just saw in Myanmar or Burma, or just hear about Daniela, the first woman ever speaking at these leadership conferences and influence the wow. influencers with the good wow. news. That's the first woman ever in, in Bangkok there to generals and top leaders just representing heaven in that situation mm. or to hearing what's happening in the Philippines and with our culture there and how that is sweeping across the world or a Jeff Yun out of uh, Singapore and they just did an incredible event where literally it was an open heaven and influencing the influencers and some of the most amazing creative miracles mm. uh, that I've ever heard of. We, have, we at least have to, just on my core family of the closest ones we have two people and two of the ministries that have seen over five people raised from the dead Wow. And so it's just, so the very thing that I have never seen and experienced, now I have sons and daughters mm. that what we paid for and was a high cost. The very thing you dreamed of is now becoming a reality for the next generation. Mm. So that's kind of my excitement now from Yazir in Cuba and just the whole team there. Mm. What they are doing in, in Cuba, I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks with all the shift and the changes. It's just I've never been more excited to be alive than during this time. Because right now in the world, there are 7.5 billion people in this world. And part of my assignment is to raise up sons and daughters that know who they are and whose they are. And that Mm. is going to represent heaven in a very good way. Because Mm. they know how good God is and they know how loved they are. And then the second part of my assignment is I want everyone in the world to experience a God that looks just like Jesus. I want them to experience a God that looks like Jesus, that loves like Jesus, that heals like Jesus. And each one of us filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what we're going to represent. And that's what Acts 1.8, this is what I carried from 1995 to year 2000, was the Acts 1.8 was one of my two theme verses. Mm -hmm. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I received that when Randy Clark prayed for me, June 6, 1995, I received power when the Holy Spirit came upon me. Mm. Before then, the Holy Spirit was in me. Now he came upon me. Mm. And when you receive the power, you're gonna be my witness. You're gonna represent him. You're gonna witness of who he is. And then as a result of that, there's gonna be a wave from there in your Jerusalem, Mm. which is, where you are placed. Mm. For somebody that can be in a classroom or in a hospital, if you are a nurse or a businessman in your business, but in your Jerusalem, then in your Judea, that means also in your nation, you're gonna be a witness, a Jesus witness. Mm. In Samaria, and I just thought about, even as one of my spiritual sons called me and said, hey, we are adopting a Syrian family wow. of refugees. So how do we take care of the Samaritans? The Samaritans was the immigrants, the ones that nobody wanted, that came in, they came into a Jewish uh, context. Other people hated them, disliked them. They were kind of the second class. Could be like Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists here. But it is the culture that's coming in that is not the primary culture. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's easy to love people like us, mm-hmm. that looks like us with the same color. But this was also the power to live the Jesus life among the Samaritans mm-hmm. and then the uttermost part of the world. That means the least, last, and lost. So it was these four waves, the power to live the Jesus life on your daily life in your Jerusalem, then in your Judea, but then also among the Samaritans and to the uttermost part of the world. So that was mm. what this was all about. Mm. One of the things that, that 
just reflecting on that prompts with me and particularly hearing stories about, you know, Daniela meeting with, you know, significant leaders and and some of these events that are really shifting atmospheres in nations is I've heard you reflect a, a little bit on the difference between a grassroots movement and then also having the wisdom to affect a nation through um, building relationships with key key influences and I know that's something that obviously you've spent a lot of time over the last 20 years in in the Middle East but we're starting to see it in different nations that some of these key sons and daughters have have influence in maybe you could reflect just for a little for a little bit on on where that shift is and and the part that wisdom plays in that connected with the power paradigm as well. We often use a scripture verse in our family, uh, which is uh, talking about, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of power, love and a sound mind. So in each believers, we are full of power, full of love and out of the sound mind, which is a disciplined mind, Mm -hmm. wisdom flows. Yeah. So that's what we're putting in. Jesus was brought, uh, I mean, he is brought the power of God, but also the wisdom of God. So the tension from love is to be full of power and wisdom. We have learned how to do mission from an overt perspective. Overt is over the radar. That's when we go and we share with people, we lay hands on the sick, or we go out on a treasure hunt. But it is as important as to be like the Daniels, Mm. that suddenly they're sowing us into a system. And in the middle of that, getting wisdom to solve some of the problems that those nations have. So a lot of the nation changers that was part of transforming nations. And we have to remember that's our calling is to disciple nations. Wow. Go. All authority has been given to you. So how much authority has been given to us? All. Hmm. How much authority does the devil then have? None. So if all authority has been given to you. And then as a result of that, you go and you disciple nations from that authority. Mm. But we have to understand you can operate in an anointing, giftings, and power. But that doesn't change necessary nations. What you need is authority. And authority always flows from identity. And that's why the next thing after the discipling nations, it says, baptize them, immerse them in the Father, Son, Spirit. What it wow. says actually, immerse them in family. Wow. So here you see an immersion in family and out of the encounter of family, you have experienced a baptism of father, son, spirit, immersed in the father, immersed in sonship and immersed in the spirit. When that three becomes one in us, then out of that you teach them all the things. What's in heaven, now you teach nations those things. So the wisdom element is, say if you are a journalist and there is suddenly an earthquake going on or there's a flood going on, then as a journalist, you are bent towards good news. So when you are coming in representing perhaps a newspaper, television, now when you are seeing these things, it's not that you don't give a diagnosis what is taking place because there's a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So the enemy is behind a lot of destruction. But then you are bent towards good news but Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly Mm. so in a covert way what wisdom will do then is will always be bent towards good news so in the middle of all the tragedies taking place you were talking about that nurse that is willing to give her life that is on the front line that is helping that person or that doctor in Syria that is right in the middle of Mm. all the tragedy that is giving his life doesn't take any salary but he is there night and day because he has a redemptive world view what he is coming in and where everything is being destructive he's coming to bring healing he's bringing life so you're telling stories about the good news what God is doing instead of what the devil is doing Mm. so this is a different way of doing journalism if you're a businessman or whatever so the Mm. covert revival many times is you go underneath the radar you change the environment based upon the culture that you have and the culture that you're carrying and that's that's the culture of heaven that you are representing here on earth Mm. and the only way you change culture is by culture so for us it's been very important with the influencers of society because if not you can uh, it's like Paul the apostle Paul I mean over and over again you will see that revival broke loose Mm. but then persecution came in and he has a long list of all the persecution that came against him but then you had to leave that place and there was no transformation Mm. then you can start another fire and then there was other radical Jews that came against him, accused him, and 
the same thing happened. And this was a lot what we also did uh, in, in some of the Muslims. We went in there and the next moment had a lot of people saved, healed, delivered, and open heaven. But in the next moment, if you do not influence the influencers, you don't transform the culture. Mm. And it takes a culture to sustain a revival. Mm. And if not, you just have visitation. And now when you come back next time, there's more hardness to it. Mm. So when the Apostle Paul, what he did eventually, he went to Priscilla and Aquila, two friends. He started a marketplace, a little business outside the temple. And then he started to influence the influencers of Asia. Mm. And then he started to solve some of the problem on a grassroots level, systemic poverty. So a couple of those guys with small little business, they started to solve some of the problems that the whole society saw. And then you influence and become friends with the top leaders. So now next time when revival came, and that was in Ephesus, when revival fire hit Ephesus, what you started to see then when he was brought before the court like before, but now the leadership of the courts was his friends. Mm. So instead of him being accused, the accusers was being accused and he was able to sustain it. Mm. And then you come a little bit later in the book of Acts 19, it says that everyone in Asia had heard the gospel. So now you see that the good news, the gospel has spread all over Asia, mm. mainly because you do not in one moment build a fire and then the enemy just attacks that fire. Mm. But you were able to spread the fire because you have friendship with a leadership. Joseph could save all Israel because he became a father to Pharaoh. He influenced Pharaoh. The same with Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. He had an influence there because of who he was and what he became. And that's where wisdom is related in all areas of society. Is when we are stepping in, we learn how to honor, we learn how to love, but we also learn how to solve problems. Mm. We don't love people with a hook and agenda because it is not love. That's called manipulation. Mm. But when the perfect love moves into atmosphere, it's the perfect love that casts out fear. One thing that I think uh, you just touched on it a little bit there, uh, but I think uh, some people would be listening to this and thinking, okay, you know, you're referencing there Joseph and Nebuchadnezzar and uh, biblical biblical stories, or even talking about some of the the maybe the significant wins that we've seen in our family over 20 years in terms of being able to influence key leaders. And people might be sitting there thinking, well, that's that's wonderful, but I have a disconnect from that. Um, how how do I become an influencer? How do I have that overt um, uh, that covert? Uh, Influence and, and, and I think that the key there is what you teach on quite often in, in terms of the spirit of sonship, but actually coming in with a servant heart. So actually to come in to serve, uh, serve someone else's vision. And, and it's through that sonship, through that environment of submission, if you like, that you actually then start to build that relationship of influence. Mm. Yeah, um, and, and I just wanted to put a, be very practical with it. If you mm. work at Starbucks and mm. you have a general manager running that Starbucks, the way you are showing up for work, if you are representing him in a good way, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're anointed and you pray for the people and you pray for customer and then afterwards you're mad because you got fired. If somebody owns a business, mm. one of their core values is profitability. Mm. And profitability is going to be the very key then. So because that you are coming on board, everybody else's stocks goes up because of the value that you add. So if you don't have a spirit of excellence, that's what Daniel had. He had a spirit of excellence. He solved some of the problem that they had in there. You're coming up with creative ideas. You're adding value to all of the other players on your team. Mm. So when the general manager, when you start to see the profitability of this business going up, that's also when you deserve to be listened to. Mm. But I've seen some Christians, they're coming in more, well, I, I'm around all these people, so I'm going to pray for people, I'm going to share Jesus with people. Mm. If you do not make an adding value in regard to profitability is why you are in that business, is to help mm. Pharaoh prosper because you came on board. And when Pharaoh has different problems or situation, it is like with Joseph. First of all, it was not just he knew how to interpret the dreams. He also had a wisdom of how to solve that, to bring profitability into Pharaoh in the middle of it. Mm. And then as a result of solving those problems, he had favor. And with that favor, he was able to take withdrawals and save a whole nation. Mm. So I'm saying that just even on a basic thing, if you work at McDonald's, or if you go to school, or if it is the professor, with the wisdom, there's nothing wrong to do things because it gives you a platform. But this is somebody else's business. This is somebody else. And I know a friend that works 
among Muslims. They just love this Christian that works in a company that is owned by Muslims, mainly because this Muslim makes a lot of money because he's on board. And his thing is, I want my boss to look good because I'm on board. Mm. I'm going to add value to him and I'm going to show a spirit of excellence. When that's taking place, now all this favor has been given to him. And now the boss's interest, when you're coming on board, why is it that the profit is 212% within the first year? Mm. When you're managing, and before we made 7%, that gives you a good opportunity to get a voice to be heard. And then you can bring glory to the Holy Spirit that gives you creativity. Or you're just representing Jesus. And you can learn a language then in that setting. And that's wisdom of learning how to be able to speak that language of love. I think um, one thing that kind of comes to mind there is, uh, you know, both both in terms of that, that example that you were just fleshing out, but also in terms of some of the, the testimonies from your 20 years, particularly in the Middle East, is that the significant role of the culture of honor and that and and i think that um sometimes there's a misconception that honor is a culture of honor is based around agreement but actually it's a it's around an attitude Mm. because i think as as a as a believer coming into an environment where maybe there's a culture of dishonor or maybe there's a culture that's unhealthy that to start to shift that culture start to influence that culture it's about an attitude towards those other people rather than necessarily trying to get them to agree with you and uh, i think that that's i think it's interesting hearing those stories because it's um i think that's really where you can influence the grassroots but whilst you're influencing the grassroots you're actually influencing the influences because you're starting to shift from an attitude of honor uh, towards those other people you're starting to it's, it's almost like what you're saying uh, in your example where are you able to see the apostle paul when you're looking at the terrorist soul are you able to honor the future uh, through an attitude rather than necessarily an agreement with the current? Um, maybe, do you want to reflect a little bit on that in terms of how you can influence with wisdom through the culture of honor as well? Yeah, first of all, I do believe that if every person is made in God's image, mm. then part of our responsibility is to be able to see the image of God in every single person. And that can be included in a boss that seems unjust. Sometimes if you're going to thrive in Babylon or in this world system, the spirit of Daniel as an example. I mean, if you just imagine that story, because I think it's a good practical example for today. And that is Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are kidnapped away from their family. Uh, Their family has been killed. They've been castrated. They've been put into what we would call an ISIS training camp. They were put into witchcraft training camp. And in the middle of all of that, so this is kind of a horrific. So if you take these 15-year-olds, you place them in the darkest of the dark of the world system. And in the middle of all of that, first of all, they never compromised. They didn't defile. They stay pure in the middle of it. And at the same time, they honored. And the thing that I thought was very interesting, first of all, the Bible said he was 10 times wiser or smarter than anybody else. So it's interesting if you have somebody in the middle of that kind of environment, you stand out. That's what happened to Joseph. You put him in prison, he's standing out when nobody else does. But here's what touched me and that has become an example for my life for years. Eventually when judgment then, this is of course in an Old Testament context, the judgment now is coming against this evil maniac Nebuchadnezzar. One of the most, at least two most demonized people in all the Bible would be a Nebuchadnezzar. So this is the guy that's behind all this horrific, controls the kingdom of darkness when judgment came against him. And you need to remember what he had done to Daniel, what he had done to his family, and how they have treated him. Here's what Daniel, when he then interpreted and he realized it's actually judgment is coming against this evil man. Then Daniel says something. He said, I wish this was not for you, but this was for your enemies. And Danny's saying this with an honest heart. He had learned how to love this Nebuchadnezzar. He had learned to coming into ministry of reconciliation. He represented God before Nebuchadnezzar. But he also stood in the gap between Nebuchadnezzar. Said, instead of him getting this judgment, put that rather on me instead of on him. That's the ministry of reconciliation. So Daniel stands in, and then when judgment comes, Daniel says, oh, I wish this was not for you, but this was for your enemies when he's looking at him. 
So what he is standing and feeling the pain, feeling the hurt when something bad is about to happen to the guy that deserves it. Mm. And that's when you learn also, when you learn how to love your enemies and you learn how to pray for the ones that persecute you, when you're learning how to stand in a gap. So I'm just using that as a picture that in regard to how we are representing God before the people and people before God. So we are now priests. If you're going to be kings, you first have to be priests. And the priestly realm of all the believers, because we are royal priesthood, is always then to go right in the middle of the gap. Even when you see darkness is coming and say, no, 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 not on my clock. I'm standing in between. Mm. So I'm just saying that that has been my example in regard to if Daniel could do it in a lesser covenant than what we have. Now we, in a New Testament context, Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. Mm. Or in another way, if you hold the sins... So even with the sins, oh, look at New Orleans, oh, it's getting bad, or Bourbon Street. Some people have this tendency, but here as believers, we will be like Abraham, where we're standing between God and New Orleans. That's what he did. So the judgment that was coming now, this was in an Old Testament covenant. Abraham starts to negotiate with God. What if we have 50 righteous? What if we have 45? What if we have 40? So there's enough righteous people to save New Orleans, but many believers are not doing what Abraham did to represent a good God before. Mm. And the problem was not the sin and the darkness, but we didn't have enough light. Mm. Later on, there was one light and his name was Jesus and he stood in the gap and he became judgment so that everybody else could be free. So this is part of the wisdom element is also is ministry of reconciliation, representing a good God before the people and the goodness of God leads to repentance. And this is including the rich and the poor. It is to represent a good God before the people mm. and then representing their bad things, stand between God and say, here I am, your son, your favorite papa. Do not let that happen to these people. I know they're so, they're sowing what they are reaping, that they are reaping what they are sowing, mm. but in the middle of it, not on my clock. And you start as a priest to represent God before the people and people before God. That's the ministry of reconciliation. I think uh, one thing that comes to mind in terms of talking about a royal priesthood and, and, and I think it's sometimes easy to, to have a disconnect from that, you know, in a sense of uh, whether it's because we're focusing on our own lack or we're focusing on what God is not doing or we're focusing on uh, our specific circumstances rather than our ability to impact circumstances or influence circumstances. There's, it is perhaps not always, I know for me, it's not always necessarily at the forefront of my mind that I'm walking as a royal priest, as a representative of heaven. Uh, but something that's helpful for me is, is recognizing the ambassadorial side of that, you know, in a, in a way that I think that's a, a, maybe a picture that people can connect with a little bit more commonly is the, the fact that I'm an ambassador of heaven. Uh, and behind that ambassadorship is actually the president, you know, is, is actually the... Um, is actually the, um, you know, the seal of, you know, it's almost like you take a police officer and they're wearing a badge, but behind that badge is the police commissioner and behind that police commissioner is the governor and behind the governor is the president. You know, you have the full, the full authority um, with that ambassadorship and you're going in and you're actually, you know, you see, a, you see a police officer walk into an atmosphere where perhaps there's some sketchy things going on or people, you know, even if there's not sketchy things, people are like, oh, I better not do something incorrect. I better not make a, a wrong move. Um, but you start to, you see a, a, an atmosphere shift the moment that someone with authority walks into a room. It's, it's the same with a VIP or with, you know, an ambassador for the United Nations or an ambassador for a nation in a different country. They're, they're revered and it's not about the reverence, but it's actually they're revering. The reverence is connected to what they're carrying, not necessarily them as an individual. Um, and I think that that's an influence uh, where if we, we recognize, if, if, if we awaken a movement, if we start to see sons and daughters who know their identity, as you say, that it's connected in that, we start to see people that they understand. When I walk into a room, all authority has been given to Jesus and that authority has been given to me. Therefore, if I'm carrying Jesus into a room, anything within this atmosphere is under my ability to influence because I'm an ambassador of heaven. Maybe, um, what, what do you think that looks like? Um, what, what are your dreams for if we started to see a worldwide movement awaken that understood their identity, 
they understood their intimacy, they understood who they were connected to and where they were, they understood their inheritance, what they have access to, and they knew what their destiny was. What, what does that look like? What does that expression start to look like for you? And, and I know you've talked about every nation has a redemptive gift that is, is accessible. What, what does that expression start to look like for you? Now, first, I think it is an individual expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, the school teacher would say, thank God it is Monday today. Yeah. Uh, wow. And when you're going into that classroom setting, 25 students instead of, oh, look at that child. He has ADHD. No, if you are now an ambassador, you're seeing that the child and say, look at that creativity. Mm. When you're looking at each one of those students, you can say, well, that's a future governor or that's a future nurse. Or you see the potential that is in each one. You see the treasure that is in each one. Mm. You're seeing them from heaven's view. And I wrote a book on that, learning how to see things the way that God sees things. So for you, the, the most exciting part of the week is not Sunday, but the most favorite part of the week is actually when I stop my assignment. Yeah. The business owner, it's a kingdom business. And when you're waking up, it is not just about making money, which is part of it, because again, that is part of financing the second coming of Jesus. But if you are a pastor, there is for every worker that is there or the managers and everybody else, you're helping them to find their potential. And they're starting to see that this belongs. It's a kingdom business. It belongs to God. So it's a very different way of going to work from Monday through Friday. And it's a calling as much as it is a calling for a pastor on Sunday. You see it as a nurse. So you see it as a doctor. You're recognizing it as an anointed doctor. So you're representing him. So first of all, you see this lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of mission. I'm on a mission. I'm representing him. I'm going to stay sharp, going into the presence of God. I'm bringing the presence with me wherever I go. So that's kind of the lifestyle of every individual. The second part of this that is fun is in a culture with other people. So suddenly now you have journalists together with business people, with a nurses, school teacher. You have all of us together. So we're becoming a family of sons and daughters, of brothers and sisters. And those families are connected to one another. So like uh, one example that I'm seeing now with our family, we have something. And I'm talking about global mission awareness, a family of families. That we have something that we can add value to Mozambique. And then Mozambique is adding value to us. So I see a synergy that God is doing together. He doesn't give all of us everything, but he gives everyone one of us something and to be able to bring that to table. So even with our small little family, Global Mission Awareness, what we're starting to see is now that each one is very valuable and they're carrying that value to family table and people start to add value. So one gets a breakthrough in one area, all of us gets a breakthrough in that area. And the stock goes up with every single one, no matter where they're at in the world. And then the fun part that is coming in is now discipling nations. So now you have sons and daughters and a whole generation of people that are the best thinkers. They are the best professors. And I'm not the best just in performance, but I'm talking about now a complete package because they're full of love. They love what they do. They're full of power. So they have the supernatural ability to go beyond what is natural. But they also have the wisdom knowing how to execute that as a professor, as a school teacher, or if it is an ear traffic control or whatever areas. It's like one of our police officers, they get words of knowledge in regard to finding drugs that is being smuggled. Other ones, how do we stop heroin addiction? Every giant that is there, and as you know, I'm coming up with a book in March called Giant Slayers, something that we're gonna talk about. How do we solve giants? So we're waking up in the morning, now dreaming with God. We're seeing there's these things in heaven that God wants to see here on earth. And then we see there's things here on earth that is not in heaven. We're coming together as a family say, hey, what do you see? And we start to recognize in these giants and instead of it's like when David killed a giant afterwards, there was a whole group of giant slayers came along. When Bannister crossed the one mile in less than four minutes, now there was a whole group of other people that came along and saw that's possible. And that's what we are seeing taking place right now. It's every single day all over the world, we have individuals that is having breakthrough, that is solving giants in the nation, that is opening up for a whole new generation for other people to be able to solve giants in their nations. So this is the exciting part of what we're seeing taking place with this movement. Hmm. So one thing that comes to mind is the um, is the importance of, with family, is the importance of connection, celebration, 
uh, I suppose, encouragement of, of, of people within the family. And I'm kind of thinking through the gatherings that we've had this year and just coming together and seeing, even just seeing on social media lately, you know, some, the, the pictures of me and Ma and what, what Jeff and Benji and Daniela have been seeing in, in me and Ma and, and, and through those events and being encouraged and sort of, I think, tapping into that, uh, you know, we had Todd White at our, at our family gathering in November and, you know, he's someone that he walks into an elevator and people get mm. saved because he just shares openly. He listens, he, he'll get a word of knowledge, you know, and, and it's almost, it's setting a new normal. It's setting the bar high. But I think that there's something important about not only covenant for me looks like an expression of fellowship you know in a sense that coming together and running together doing life together celebrating each other encouraging one another and I think that that's something that's key as we start to awaken a movement it's not everybody off in isolation Mm. it's not everybody off uh, doing their different thing in their nation and you know someday we'll read about it in a book it's actually about coming together in community and actually being able to say hey Wow, what you have doing you're you're this unique expression that I haven't experienced yet in my life, but I can tap into that because we're family. We have this shared family account. Um, I know we've had some fun stories about that this year in terms of tapping into the family accounts, but I think in order to be able to tap into the account, we need to have that fellowship. We need to have that gathering where we come together as a family gathering and we actually share and sharpen and challenge and encourage. Um, what, what does that mean for you this, you know, this year and even moving forward? What does that look like in terms of your vision for family? No, I, I believe that within each person, as I'm saying, there's something, and it's called glory, mm. when a person is stepping into becoming what they already are. <clears throat> uh, I have to say that one more time. When a person steps in to become what you already are, that's called glory. So within each one of us, there's something that heaven saw because Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Mm. So who were you before the foundation of the world? Because he says, I knew you. So there's something unique in each person that is there that Mm. carries something that the world has not yet seen. When we're stepping into that glory is being released. That is the Christ within you, the hope of glory. So many times I'm saying what discipleship is all about, a process of becoming what you already are. But the faster we can start to see who you are and why the Father sent his only begotten Son, what sin did made you fall short of glory. What Jesus came was to restore us back again to glory. So it's not so much about sin management, but glory management. <laughs> Come on. So so many of us, what we are focusing on is what sin did to us. And then we're trying to fix all the consequences of the sin. But when in the family context, when we start to decide, no, that's not who you are. I see the A plus in you, even if you act like you have a D. Or an F, no, I see the A+. Plus. So within the family context, we celebrate one another. We, we, we are accountable to one another. We say, no, 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 that's not who you are, Scotty. Uh, this is how heaven sees you, because I see you the way that Papa God sees you. No, 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 let me help you. So we're starting to carry one another's burden. We start to bless one another. We're suddenly coming into an accountability, uh, not control. And what, what is happening is the law of love comes into operation. Wow. And if not, you have to operate by love of law, meaning that in a organizational system, you have to set up rules and regulation to get people to behave right because you're always dealing with sin management. But within the family context where you're dealing with glory management, we're managing the level of glory, the weight of heaven that each person is carrying. And the important part here now is then when I see the different individual, the way we honor one another is not uh, when we look at somebody and I honor them, that's what love looks like. And honor happens in words, what we say, in thoughts, what we think, and in deeds, in the action, the way we do it. That's not just towards one another. That's also how we honor lost people. That's how we honor rich and poor, how we honor the people that deserve dishonor. It becomes a lifestyle because this is the way how heaven honors us. So even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we're still in a mess that he saw the treasure in us. So the statement, I think Bill Johnson, uh, my friend was the first one to make that, that Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you valuable. He died on the cross because you are valuable. Come on. So within the family system, everybody is valuable. That's the starting point. Mm. 
Everybody carry a measure of glory. And when we recognize that, we also start to see the glory in each one of us. How can I add value to you instead of how can you add value to me? How can I complete you instead of how do I compete with you? How do I come in together as part of a family? It's almost been part of a dream team of God's dream team. And then when somebody else's score, it doesn't make any difference in a sense. You will celebrate that score. While in the orphanage, you will start to compete and say, why did he score and not me? Why did that person get healed? And so the orphanage is a very different system of operating. But within a family, uh, for me, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference when I'm hearing the reports this morning of all these amazing things. I used to say, oh, I wish I was there or... or no, I am there through family. Hmm. So while we're sitting here and talking right now, in 22 nations, we have a culture that is changing the culture. And it's no jealousy towards, wow, what these people get to experience. Because I know when they have a breakthrough, I also got a breakthrough. Hmm. When their stock goes up, like I just heard this morning, my stock just went up. Yeah. When they had a breakthrough in an area, I have not had breakthrough. What I'm doing now is I honor that. And then what you honor, you have access to it. So when you honor the prophetic, now you can grow in the prophetic because what you honor, you have access. And honor is what love looks like. So I'm just seeing now that the family of families are coming together from all over the world, like what Benji and Jeff Yun, two totally different siblings, but because of the father brought them together, there's a synergy in both ministry that is exploding just because of what they did together in the last week. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's a key right there is what they did together. In the last week, you know, that probably 12 months ago, we weren't seeing any uh, the infancy of connection there. And, and it's over time and starting, you know, as each person starts to point to one another, uh, you know, we've even got something in the pipeline for next year with Indonesia. And I'm even seeing that happening between two of your key sons honoring each other and, and, and in terms of using that analogy that Bill talks about in terms of honoring the point, you know, who who's picked up the scent or the, the glory aroma right now and, and then everybody else points towards that person and, and then runs in that direction because they're honoring um, the person that's got that win. Something that comes to mind is, uh, you know, we're not a we're talking about kingdom family movement. We're not talking about kingdom organization movement. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned before, you know, moving from an organization to a family. What are some practical ways? And I know we just talked in broad brushstrokes there about um, celebrating someone else's victory, honoring someone else's victory. But what are some practical ways? Because I think that there's probably a lot of people listening to this who are either within an organization where they're in a position of significant leadership or perhaps they're at that you know lower level where they're, they're just one of the maybe feel like they're one of the cogs in a bigger machine um, and whether that be in a church context whether that be in a commercial enterprise whether that be even just in a family uh, you know where maybe maybe there's um, changes that need to occur in your parents or um, you know your peers even in, in an institution uh, what are some of the ways, what, what are some of your practical suggestions that people can start to make an influence where they can start to influence culture for family from organization? Yeah, I, th I think it starts with a very basic. I live with a sonship. Mm -hmm. It's the most beautiful ship in the world. Uh, you maybe have a leadership or apostleship or many other ships, but let it follow sonship. I think it's just very simple and basic, and that, and, but it's also complicated. The simplicity of this is just that when they asked the question, who do you say that I am? That was of all the things you could describe about Jesus, but Simon, who do you say? Mm. And when he saw from heaven's view, he heard from the Father, when he captured that you are Christ, what does Christ mean? The anointed. Mm. And then the second of all, you are the son, son of the living God. Then Jesus says, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of Jonah. This kind of a revelation you could have only got from man. But now when you know who I am, you can know who you are. You're no longer going to be Simon. You're going to be Peter. You're going to be rock. Upon this identity, upon this rock, I will build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. Mm. Put it in a simple way. The basic thing that I believe for everyone that is listening, and this is the foundation, every other thing follows that, is just being an anointed son and daughter. Wake up in the morning, son and daughter. To do that, you need to have a father. Mm. And Papa, God is your dad. He's not your boss. He is a father. It's all about relationship with him. Mm. But you cannot have relationship if you do not have a proper view of who he is. So basic things is to knowing how good he is and how loved you are. That's the foundation of everything is knowing how good he is and how loved you are. Because if you're recognizing that revelation, and if you do not know that, ask him. 
ask him to show. Mm. Because when you're getting a view of God that looks like Jesus, read the Gospels again and see the good news. Every time a leper touches Jesus or the woman who's been bleeding that went against culture, it's actually touching God. What Jesus is showing us, the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is how God looks like. So now, the same way sinners were attracted to Jesus, they should become very attracted to us. Mm. So because that's that's who we are, sons and daughters. So whatever work, if you are a student or whatever you do, I'm a son. Mm. I'm a beloved son. My papa loves me. He delights in me. I'm his happy thought. So identity of knowing who I am and whose I am. Out of that, there's always gratitude. It's an attitude of gratitude. Mm. I will wake up then just so grateful. Thankful, yeah. It is just yeah. full of thanks, thanks. And it's just joy that comes out of it. Mm. So that's one thing is the identity there, but also the anointing, the dove, the presence then. It's not just that I'm a son, but I'm an anointed son. You're not just a daughter, but you're an anointed daughter. And when you are an anointed now, the anointing breaks the yoke. You have heaven that is actually now, uh, it's on you, it's in you, and it's around you. It doesn't matter what temperature you are in. You change that temperature because of the temperature you're carrying. And then when there's trials or difficulties that comes against you, it's an invitation for you to get an upgrade. Mm. So I think it's just, that's always my basic for every single one of us as part of this movement. It starts with a lifestyle that comes from an identity of being an anointed son and daughter. And people will always hear me talking about that. Then you can move into the next things of the relationship I have with him. Out of that, then again, what is available? What is in my account? Mm. And he will get to you as much as he can get through you. So there is an element here also. So when people are wondering why there's no more of heaven flowing, sometimes just also see how we are steering what he has given to us. So now we are learning actually how to steward what God is giving us. If we are faithful with one talent, he gives us more. So it's also just learning that he is not going to give us so much power that it will damage us. What he does is he rewire us. So if you ask him for 220 and... Now you can only handle 110. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to rewire you for that. And the rewiring doesn't always feel good. But it's just for the capacity to be able to handle more. That has to go through testing. And just remember, the only product that has high value is the one that has been through testings. You wouldn't want to drive a car that has not been tested very well. The suspension, everything has been tested. And it's the same also, the products that we are. Yes, everything was by free, it was given, and Jesus paid for the price. Mm. But now the reliability, some of the testings we go through has all to do with the testimonies. So when we are in the middle of the shaking, when there's love, joy, peace coming out of us, then you're ready for another upgrade. Mm. And you go from glory to glory because you're in the middle of glory. Mm. You go from faith to faith because you're operating in faith. So it's just a, a lifestyle, son, daughter with a dove. Mm. And then waking up in the morning, going out there, and it's like, be on a treasure hunt. Be childlike mm. and maintain hunger. That's the two basic things. Be like a little child with a papa, not childish, but childlike, mm. simple. It's actually very simple. And the second, maintain hunger. Just continue to be hungry because the more you eat, the more hungry you become. The more you drink, the more thirsty you become in the kingdom. And that's another beautiful part of this daily lifestyle. I think uh, something that um, I'm just reminded of a, a quote um, I heard, heard Bill say, I think about six years ago, uh, you, you know, we're created to go from glory to glory, but in order to go from glory to glory, you have to start from a place of glory. Yeah. And how do you get to that place of glory? It's through thankfulness. Yeah. And I think that's a great place to start, particularly as we come towards the end of a year. What are we thankful for? You know, reflecting a, a back across a year and thinking, <laughs> okay, what are all of the things that I can be thankful for? There's a lot of things maybe that didn't happen. Um, that haven't happened either in this season, whether that be you reflecting on a 10-year window, whether it be you reflecting on 12 months. Um, but we can be thankful for all of those different things. I mean, we were hearing Drew McClure yesterday share at Bethel Atlanta, you know, about how many of the things have we perhaps become there mundane now because we've forgotten to be thankful for the moment, the mountaintop moments, you know, where it was those things that we were pressing in for 10 years ago. Mm. But now that we've become so familiar with them that we've forgotten to be thankful for. Yeah. You know, I know that's something that you're very good at doing. We were even talking about it this morning in terms of memory stones. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah. about that. And taking taking the, the opportunity just to reflect on those significant markers, whether that be this year, whether it be just this week, yeah. um, whether it be the last season. Um, 
I think that there's something significant about being positioning yourself, you know, shifting your heart to out of that discomfort or perhaps out of that um, disappointment even um, to say, okay, well, what can I be thankful for? Mm. What are some of the things that maybe, how, how does that sort of prompt you when, when you think about your memory stones? And- no, as I'm saying, I've spent a lot of time uh, in this season looking at my past, looking when I was a little Baptist pastor, mm. when you saw a little healing, a little healing, I'm saying in a sense, and a headache, and my or, headache you know, or a knee yeah. was better, you wanted to do backflips because you yeah. saw something Come or on. a little bit of the presence of God. My challenge in this season, as I looked at the memory stone, how do I maintain awe in the awesomeness of God? Wow. When I now see a headache, this is after 300,000 healings and over 3,000 creative miracles. Wow. So how do I maintain awe in the awesomeness of God in the small thing? Because what we have a tendency to do is like, what else is there? Uh, so how do I continue to have tears in my eyes when I drive from Manila Airport down to Laguna and you see all the squatter camps and all the, yeah. t- you see all poverty. The first time I did it, I wept over it because I could feel what the father was feeling. Mm. But when you've done that ride a hundred times, how do you still have tears in your eyes like it is your first time? Mm. That's part of what I'm maintaining, this childlikeness. How do I go on a ride? And I had a few years ago, I was at Epcot Center and I did this one ride and the guys that was with me, a couple of CEOs that are my friends, they said, is this your first time here? Oh, I said, oh, no, 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 this is my 12th time. But how does each time feel like the first time? Uh, first time when I went on safari, I remember that awe and the awesomeness. But I'm living a lifestyle today. There is no difference today. If you see him on safari, you're going to see like this is my first time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, uh, that's part of why I have to have memory stones because there's times when I cannot see. Yeah. There's times when I cannot feel. Then I go back, like you just saw me in the office. I went to, this is when I met Heidi Baker in 2000 in this little place. Or this mm-hmm. is when I, not because of the people, but I go through the memory stone. Mm-hmm. And you know, I carry it with me, June 6, 1995. I have that picture in my bag. Mm-hmm. Every single day I look at when Randy prayed for me. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if not, you can forget. Mm-hmm. And then the next moment I'm faced with giants in the front of me. And if I don't have the track record of the faithfulness of God, financially speaking, when it comes to my health, when it comes to my family, to see the faithfulness of God and being awe in the awesomeness and the same God that did that, he's going to now, whatever I'm facing in 2017. So this is part of a lifestyle for us. That's why from the ring on my finger to the bracelet I have on to, I have my whole body is full of memory stones. Mm. My bag is full of memories. So I'm constantly focusing on what God has done mm. and constantly being in awe in the awesomeness, but mm. especially small things. Mm. And I continue, every person that I meet, when I'm alone with that person, or I meet with a person one-on-one, it's been an awe in the awesomeness of God. That person is made in his image. Mm. How do I maintain that innocence is probably another word for it, mm. that the very thing that I did as a Baptist pastor when I jumped and I danced. And that's why I love being around Randy Clark. Mm. Even now I see Randy with every healing. He's still as yeah. childlike now as he has ever been. He, he's mm. been in that awe. And that's where I think that we lose it many times. Even when the presence of God, what if you have that every single Sunday for a year? Mm. And we were just in a couple of events like that. You're coming in and people are like, this is the new normal. Yeah. Instead of, and as soon as you start kind of a roll your eyes, is there not something? There's, it's wonderful to be hungry for more, but never forget about what God is doing and to see that and to be in awe of the Jesus that is in the room. And there's nothing wrong with having that familiarity where it's this is the new normal, if, if in a sense that that is a creating healthy expectation for what's possible mm. and, and driving momentum. But I think that it becomes sometimes familiarity breeds contempt yeah. where we, we become, um, we can either become apathetic in a sense of, well, I'm not going to pray for the, the headache. I'm going to pray for the person in the wheelchair because that miracle's of greater worth than the other miracle. It's, sorry, it's, it's all a miracle. It's all for God's glory. And so... But it has to be that reminder that you can celebrate any movement, move of God with the same level of rejoicing. Um, one of the things, just to, I suppose, maybe to, to draw this to a close as we sort of have reflected, you know, 2017 is an exciting year for you. Uh, we've, we've 
pretty much filled the calendar um, just under 200 days away from family and from from Atlanta here uh, I think there's 16 nations on the calendar for next year with some new territories and some ones that you've been to many times uh, what are what are some of the things that you're excited most about uh, not just in a sense of traveling to so many amazing places and having the privilege of doing that but what are some of the things you're really looking forward to in terms of a movement? Um, and I know that you were reflecting a little bit um, two weeks ago on, on some of the new opportunities with Chile and Ethiopia and different places, but what are some of the things that are burning on your heart for 2017 with that movement? Yeah, I think that there's two different ways of looking at it, and I'm trying to get fresh eyes, even as I'm starting this new year in Cuba, the first week of January in Cuba, to see the shift and changes that is going on in that nation, to meeting with the leadership of that nation, and to be able to both impart to them, but also to learn from them, and to realize that Cuba has an opportunity for the very thing that I've dreamed of for 16 years. Mm. It's in the middle of a beautiful tipping point, and, and Jesus is going to bring glory to himself in the middle of Caribbean. And when the world will look at Cuba, they will see who Jesus is, who is the desire of that nation and how that is about to be revealed. Then I'm going over to Europe and this is just a short summary and then traveling to a lot of different places where I believe, again, there is another move of God's spirit in Europe. Mm-hmm. Even with all the refugees that is coming yeah. in, it's going to be a major move of God's spirit to touch those refugees with the goodness and the kindness and love of God as more and more believers is receiving a fresh baptism of love. Then we talked about Chile. And in Chile, to have over a couple of thousand young people. I can see that as the next mission force to seeing these young people now instead of... being orphans and not knowing what they are supposed to do in this dark world is to help those over 2,000 radical young people to find their identity, to find their value and their dignity, and then starts to release their dreams. So I can, I just saw that. I mean, if you imagine you have 2,000 Daniels and Josephs and Esthers and Nehemiahs that we're raising up as culture changers. So it's going to be an incredible impartation. Yeah, I, I see 2017 is a year also of impartation. And that's what's going to take place, that people that has been in processes over a period of time when this importation comes in there's just going to be birth of destiny that they have carried and then we have an incredible trip to Nigeria and West Africa that is also in a tipping point between Muslims and Christians and they're also just realizing that this agape reformation the waves of liquid love is going to touch those leaders and together with some of our friends with Global Awakening I'm really so excited especially when I get to meet with leaders that are hungry to be able to ride this next wave that God is sweeping across the world. And that is that kingdom family movement where we can add that value and to see thousands of leaders in that nation getting not just set on fire for God, but becoming a family that can host heaven, that heaven can be entrusted to because they're going to be a family. And so we have kind of a month after month nation and we're having, heading back to Middle East again. And then it's a trip, a couple of trips to Southeast Asia. So it's just uh, when I'm sensing it's a balance between two things the mission force and the mission field. Mm. The mission force is the family, sons and daughters that steps into their mission. And that is as much important for the individual, like one of the guys that I know, he's waking up every single morning to be successful in business. He is mm. a kingdom business guy, but he is part of financing the second coming of Jesus. Wow. And then you will say, that's what his life is all about. He's going to make sure he believes that he is born into this world to be able to see over 3 billion souls coming in. I just heard another kingdom businessman the other day who wants a lot of corporation, a lot of businesses. And he was describing that he was just watching how one of the billionaires was giving billions of dollars in regard to United Nations and other different initiative. And then he said, but here I am, I'm your son. And at that period he was giving millions away but he started to dream about billions so now his businesses have just increased and increased it's not just by what he's giving he's building a culture a kingdom business culture that is also hosting heaven while he's doing it so it's not just like god values you for what he's going to give that's just a byproduct of being a kingdom family business and how he runs business mm-hmm. how the employees is the best place for them to go to work yeah so i'm saying there's a combination of a lot of things and then it's the mission field to be the bulldozer going into some 
some of those darkest places, setting up very, very clearly uh, the heaven's agenda for those nations to restore nations back again so that we take care of orphans, so we take care of widows. Some of the things that the enemy has done all over the world by crippling nation with corruption and other things, now is to raise up sons and daughters to know how to solve some of those problems that the nations are crying out for. And that's including what's going on in Syria or the tensions that is going on now in Turkey or what's happening with a refugee crisis that is going on in Europe. Uh, there's these crises with the China Sea and everything else. That no matter what issue on a global level, there are sons and daughters of glory that God is just waiting to become full of love, full of power and full of wisdom. When those three is becoming one, he takes those sons and daughters and he sow them in to a nation and he's creating environment change with it. And he's bringing glory in the middle of everything that is going on. So 2017 is the years when dreams becomes reality. It's a year of impartation, but it's when dreams becomes reality because there has become a kingdom alignment. Now we can focus on the kingdom assignment. And that's the fun part of it is dreaming with God, but also dreaming with a family, a family of families, and then connecting with other families like we're doing all over the world to add value to them. Mm, that's awesome. It's so exciting. I'm so, I'm so uh, honored to be able to be here as part of next year and 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 see some of that come to life. It's 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 exciting. I think uh, maybe to finish up, it'd be just wonderful to release um, release that impartation mm. over um, the people that are listening to this, whether they're listening in the next week or they're listening sometime during 2017. Um, that that they would know their identity mm. and that they would have that fresh baptism of power, but also that baptism of love as well. Um, that they would move into 2017 with an attitude of thankfulness. Mm. So, yeah, maybe you'd like to close in prayer. Father, you are a good, good papa. I just thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Even when I'm reflecting in my own life and recognizing that uh, your grace has been so sufficient. There's been days where I just got the grace to enjoy the day. And other times it's just a grace to endure. Even as I'm reflecting back, it's been some painful seasons, but there's been grace and you've always been there. You've been there in the middle of the storms. You've been on the mountaintops and you've been in the valley. And I just ask right now, Father, for everyone that is listening here, I just ask that there's going to be some kisses from Papa God. Even before the end of the year, there's going to be an encounter how good you are as a good, good father. But the second encounter is how loved you are, how loved I am. And I just ask, Father, for this year that we are going to learn to love ourselves the way that you love us, Papa. And out of that is going to be a tsunami wave of love coming out of our lives into our marriages or families, businesses, wherever we are. Love is going to come up because we are receiving that love from you, Papa. So I'm just asking at this very moment on, let it be a fresh baptism of love and a fresh baptism of goodness to know how good you are and how loved we are. Let the world know that we are your disciples because we have learned how to love that way. We love one another. So I bless the rest of 2017. From a place of rest, I thank you that heaven is going to flow. That this is going to be a year where you're going to double, <laughs> you're going to double your anointing, double your love, but without more fuel with half as much fuel. So I'm asking, Father, let us burn oil of intimacy, burning oil of love, so that we can burn brightly without burning out. So I just bless the deep wells of oil of intimacy with our lover. So our lampstands is going to, we're going to shine, arise and shine, for your light has come. That's going to be the byproduct. Arise and shine, because your light has come the year to arise and to shine for your light has come and that light comes from love it comes from the flames of love when the fire touches that oil of love at that moment environment is changing so I bless that over you in Jesus name amen amen